The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bam. Hey, we're live, pal. AK, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. There's no music today because, as you can see, Casey is off shooting an Anderson Silva workout in Los Angeles, possibly a scrum, we don't know. Ahead of Anderson Silva's, uh, it's an exhibition match, correct, AK? Yes, exhibition boxing. It's an exhibition boxing match against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who I am not a fan of, oh, that fight, or the fighter. Anyway, regardless, uh, I don't have the music because Casey's busy, so I am producing slash hosting slash pulling your questions up, so I'm on, like, quadruple duty today, so if I'm not as engaged as usual, that is why... (laughs) I'm learning on the fly. So, joining us this week, it's the Alex Show, or as AK Lee refers. What did you refer to it on Twitter as? Well, this is like the third time, I think, in the last year, I think, that uh, Alex Savas and I have both done the A-Side Live Chat. So, this is officially the Alex and the Alex Tokyo Drift. Because it's the third time? <laughs> is that what you said? This is the third time. Don't, yeah, the fourth time, I don't know what I'm going to do, because that's when they reset the names, but we'll figure it out. What was the fourth one called? Just Fast and Furious. They removed the... the or the opposite, they added the the, I can't remember. Oh no, they removed the the. And then the fa- the fifth one was Fast Five? Fast Five. I have a fun story about Fast Five that I'll tell at another time. Uh, but yeah, it ends good. with The it's Rock good. The Rock bought my movie tickets to see Fast Five. Wow. It was a fun oh, time. Oh, I'm going to remind you, you to want... finish that story before this over. Yeah, I'll finish it at the end of the episode so yes. people stick around. Yes. And then uh, <laughs> so it's one of them. It's a ridiculous, it's not even a ridiculous story. It's just a very odd story and just a lot of I had to be at the right place at the right time moments. But anyway, you guys heard AK Lee, Alex Savis, how's life in California? Oh, California's really testing me, you know? There's a wildfire <laughs> burning like five miles from my house and like nobody here bats an eye. And then there's little old Midwest me and I'm like, should we be panicking? But I guess not, I don't know, but it's just not normal. It's just, there's ash everywhere. It smells like smoke, it smells like somebody's like burning a campfire in my living room. It's just the most weird thing, but I'm trying to get used to it, but it's testing. Is this the uh, first wildfire you've experienced in California since you moved there? That's close enough to me for when, for me to panic. <laughs> Have you been in LA for more than a year now? Yeah, just over a year. Wow, wow. So anyway, anyway, you guys know the drill. I guess I should ask how AK, how's Ed life in Moncton, 
Canada. Moncton, <laughs> Moncton, uh, New, Brun New Brunswick. Oh, it's uh, it's glamorous. Uh, no, shout outs to Moncton. Uh, it's Moncton, New Brunswick, right? If I get that uh, wrong, I'm feel what so. What are you asking me for? I've never heard of Moncton. I know. I feel so bad for the UFC had a card there. What do you? You've never heard of Moncton? UFC had a card there. Was that you know, Anthony you, Smith? Anthony, Anthony Smith, yeah. So that's so when I first joined to MMA fighting, I was kind of made. I was assigned pretty much every single fight card to like do the recaps and stuff for every single fight night. And that's the first one I missed because I had to go to a wedding. So that one is not in my Rolodex of knowledge. I remember Artem no. fought Michael Johnson because Michael Johnson missed weight, even though Michael Johnson missed weight. Yeah. He was supposed to be Zubaira because this was the first and card Artem, after the 220. And Artem was like, give him his money back. Give yeah. him his, I'm giving him his first penalty back. Because yeah. Zubaira uh, was part of the 229 chaos in Las Vegas. So he got pulled from that card. And then the main event, Anthony Smith and Vulcan, right? Ozdemir? Sorry, one second, Jose. I'm having some audio issues. on my. Uh -oh. It's on my end. It's on my end. If anyone else is having them, let us know in the comments. But one second, let me try something here. I'm going to try no headphones for a second. Hold on. See We're going to hear you then. We're going to hear ourselves. Anyway. You're going to hear everything. No, I'm going to hear. Oh, you're going to hear me. All right. Don't worry about it. Just, the joys uh, of pretend. live the joys of live television fine, it's fine like i said we don't have we don't have the truck here today we don't have the man in the truck but otherwise i'm ca I'm, I'm catching most of it it's fine cool alex was not here for my many technical difficulties when i first took over the a side that was a dark time oh nobody side. remembers that i do i still wake up and i'm <laughs> thinking about it no. the show's the show's been running the jose edition of the a side's been running smoothly since day one i don't know what you're talking about. we're coming up on a year probably like two years probably i hadn't even thought about that because when everyone left to ESPN or The Athletic or whatever, uh, for a while it was the Jose and AK Lee show, and I've been fighting for a bit. We would like take turns to go to bed to like stay up and write articles. Anyway, no one cares about that. You guys know the drill. You can ask questions on the site. Questions on the site get priority uh, because you took your time to go on MMAfighting.com to leave your comments. I got a bunch of them lined up already. Uh, you can leave them in the YouTube comments. No promises I will see them this time because I, you know, I'm doing a thousand things at once. Or you can tweet it at one of us. Or as a few of you have done in the past, I don't know if you're watching this time, you've texted me questions <laughs> while we're live on air. So without further ado, how do they? What's wait, how do they do that? I have. You, there's these things called telephones, and they text you. Is your no? Is your is your number? Did you did you tweet out your number? No. These are like friends of the show. That like or various MMA media personalities like shout out to oh, Matt. Oh, was creeping. Shout out to Matt Wells, good friend of the show and one of my oh, main yes. victims on me. Between the Links has texted me <laughs> questions. Anyway, you um, guys know. Brother, the you girl. didn't introduce. What's you up? You didn't introduce me. At, you didn't introduce me as the reigning interim BTL champion. That's right. You are the interim BTL champion. You're not the real champion until you beat Phoenix, though, which is never gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. Let me See, have this one. That was a fun, uh, what was it, the gauntlet match? I definitely... Oh, that's so, that was so See, fun. here's the thing, though. I Sean definitely beat me, for sure. And I think I definitely beat Phoenix. But that's neither here nor there. You guys know okay. the drill. Ask your questions in the Twitters or the comments or whatever. AK, if you see a question in the YouTube comments, just shout it out. Maybe I can find it. But while further ado... Let's go... First one from MMG2K20, Mick Tapper. People have accused McGregor, McGregor of exposing his neck and tapping every time the going gets tough. However, looking at Tony, who has not been in the not been the same since the Gaethje beating and refuses to tap to deep arm bars and heel hooks, is McGregor doing the right slash smart thing to avoid punishment? 
the damage Tony has taken in the last three fights is very worrying. So yes, we'll set the scene here where if you guys live under a rock and you didn't watch UFC 262 and it's Wednesday, May 19th and you still haven't watched it, Tony Ferguson uh, was in a very deep heel hook against Benil Dariush and didn't tap out. You could see him writhing in pain. This is now the second straight fight where he didn't give up. Uh, the first one, of course, he was stuck in a very tight, uh, was it armbar correct against Charles Oliveira? Uh, at UFC yeah. 256, that was the co-main event as well, three-round fight. Uh, didn't give up on back-to-back -back deep submissions. Uh, I don't know. I've heard this this theory that McGregor gives up his neck when the going gets tough. C Casey Lydon, I don't uh, from the truck. I don't know if he subscribes to that theory, but we did have this interesting argument where for a while we didn't have this image of. There was no image of Conor McGregor like laying out, like just toasted. Like you've seen the photos of Ronda getting knocked out. You've seen the photos of Anderson. You've seen the photos of Stipe now. Like it's been the thing where you see these dominant champions just out cold, unconscious, bloody on the canvas. We hadn't seen that with Conor McGregor until the Dustin Poirier knockout. It's always been submissions and then he gets up and he's fine against Habib, against Nate. You know, he just gets caught. Until Dustin, we hadn't seen really him done on the canvas. So. AK, do you subscribe to this theory that McGregor gives up his neck? And if so, is that the smart thing to do? It is a smart thing to do in general, but I always kind of hated the McTapper nickname. There's a lot of reasons to hate Conor McGregor, but I don't understand. I always felt like he got, like, extra... <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's like I've never heard someone call, like, GSP uh, 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 a French Tapper guy or whatever, <laughs> the, the Tapper, because of the... Uh, he, he had one of the quickest taps, and I love GSP, but he had one of the quickest taps oh, you'll ever no. see you'll ever, in your life. The it's first Matthews fight, yeah, right? Yeah. He literally, that arm bar, was, and I don't blame him, because I think Matthews actually really snapped that arm in like half a second. So I, I don't blame people for tapping out quickly. And the McGregor stuff is just weird, because he has, what, two, two oh, I guess three submission losses? The, the uh, Two in the UFC, one before. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just weird that he's the only guy that kind of gets that tag. Um, I, I, if, I, if you want to say he has like really crappy submission defense, Okay, I'm willing to go that way, but uh, the McTapper thing's a bit odd. Everybody, you know, a lot of people tap again. If you want to throw that in GSP, then do that. But again, I would prefer you don't throw it on either of them. So, but to the broader question, yeah, people should definitely be tapping out. Uh, and, and I'm not being critical of Tony Ferguson, by the way. Tony Ferguson is not human. He knows his pain threshold better than we do. Uh, could 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 something like that heel hook have a, a deleterious effect on the rest of his career? Maybe, maybe. But again, we're not doctors. We're not Joe Rogan. We're not able to diagnose injuries <laughs> as soon as they happen uh, on the UFC broadcast. So, uh, I, I, so really, I, I'm being I'm being a, a bit soft here. I'm not criticizing either man. If you tap quickly, more power to you. If you don't tap, I mean, again, I, it's probably somewhat ill-advised. But Tony's super tough, um, and, and there's probably a lot of reasons that uh, he's been in the slump lately, besides just the accumulation of damage and his, you know, him being too tough for his own good. Well, so who's he? Who's he? Some, who's he tapped out to? Nate Diaz, extremely mm -hmm. high-level black belt. Habib Nurmagomedov, who makes yep. literally, who, what are his two, all of his wins, almost all of his wins lately have been by submission, like taps Connor, yep. taps Gaethje, taps Poirier, so don't hang your head on being submitted uh, by Habib Nurmagomedov, but cool Alex, do you subscribe to this theory that Connor willingly gets submitted as this uh, MMG 2K20 set states? No. The, the, the thing is, like, yeah, Conor McGregor is going to experience the highest of the highs, but also with that comes the lowest of the lows. So he's going to take as much glory and praise as he is going to take, you know, all that negativity too. Um, the idea that people shouldn't be tapping or, or that we should even 
be commenting on when somebody, when the appropriate time to tap is just ridiculous. I mean, like AK said, everybody has their own pain threshold. I'm sure that adrenaline comes into play. That probably, you know, masks a lot of it for some people, maybe not so much for other people. And you know, in your head, you might be thinking like, look, I don't got this. Why subject myself to potential injury when I could come back in two weeks right now, if I tap, get another fight and keep this, you know, keep this train going. So no, <laughs> the fact that, you know, Tony's feel, I don't know if it's just like this mentality that like, you're not some sort of tough guy if you're tapping, like, let's just, we'll, we could just end that, you know, now, because it's just idiocracy. Like it's, it's ridiculous. I think the problem with Tony's most recent one is if you get submitted with, you know, an arm, broken arm, that's like a couple weeks, you have to take a couple weeks off anyway. You get submitted with a choke, you can probably get back in the gym in a few days. You get in a heel hook and you shred your ACL, you're out for a long time, especially as someone yeah. that Tony's age, that'd be three in a row with a, with a torn ACL. Who knows if he ever comes back after that. So I don't, and a lot of guys you get, you see get constant submission. I feel like it, they, they just aren't even aware that they're going out. Like remember when Holly Holm went to sleep against Misha Tate, she was still trying to get out and then her body just shut down. And then she woke up and she was like, what happened? Tony was very clearly aware that his ACL was going to pop. And he was like, F it, rip my leg off. I think that's a little, <laughs> That's a little much. Don't rupture your ACL or your meniscus or whatever or your Achilles just to show yourself you're tough. Regardless, he survived and his knee is apparently fine. Benil Dare, you said he heard it pop in there, which is gruesome. But, uh, yeah, I don't. But to answer this specific question, I don't think Conor McGregor willingly loses by submission just so he can, quote, get back in there. But anyway. I that's a good that's a good point though uh jose because yeah you're a knee can be like a year to like maybe 18 more. months yeah. maybe a year and a half and then that's like just talking about getting back to normal and then like actually getting back to normal and then yeah tony would be like almost 40 uh if if he had suffered a severe knee injury again we haven't had the i hope we'll get the medical suspensions uh in the next couple of days yeah. but you know texas texas commission we don't know <laughs> um hopefully that'll come up I want to. I, I know. Sorry, I don't want to take away from the the listener and and uh, reader questions. But did you find it odd that uh, the referee, because you can a referee can call a stoppage with a a verbal sort of cry of pain, right? He looked like he. I don't. I didn't hear it. I don't know if I heard it. But obviously, if you watch, it looks like Tony cries out, right? Like in in pain. Oh, he, so, he absolutely. I was about ten feet away right? from him. He absolutely. Yeah, you were there. So were you surprised the referee didn't step in? And for anyone no. wondering, I that with Joe Warren, Chelsea Sonnen have done it, but you didn't no. think that was enough? I was like, oh, no. No. Uh, I think, uh, if I'm looking it up right now, I think Mike Beltron was the referee for that. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Mike Beltron is, for those of you who don't know who he is, he's the one, I'm, you guys have all seen him, the one with the really long mustache that's like braided going down. He is an exceptional referee. Uh, and he has ref high-level fights, and he's one of those referees that like Mark Goddard, it is his octagon. So I think Mike Beltran was right there looking. I bet he had a conversation with Tony in the back where if he goes, if I get caught, let it go longer, I, I trust Mike Beltran. So if Mike Beltran didn't end it there, I'm not gonna argue it. Cause he's one of those like referees that I trust 100% with what's going on in there. He's an exceptional referee. I don't, the only thing I don't like about Mike is he's the one, do you remember when AJ Agazarm and Chris Lencioni had that beef and then they fought and it was a very bad fight. And then Chris Lencioni won and they were still jawing at each other and they tried to walk away. And Mike Beltran literally grabbed their wrists and made made them fist bump. And he's like, you will say good fight. I was like, what are we children? Like they don't like each other. 
Don't force it on them. Anyway, that's, that's the only good. weird thing. I don't, I, I don't want to go off on another tangent, but I'll just say I, I'm actually I actually don't think Mike Beltran is a great referee. Really? That, that, I'm in the I'm in the minority on this. I'm in the minority on this. Maybe um, not. I, maybe not. I just I've never had an issue with anything. Yeah, but for the reasons you said, for the reasons you said, I think sometimes he's too controlling. Yes. But I think that's also a positive in this sport. I think you can be you need to be assertive as well. Fair. So I might be a like, thing. I like Dan Mergliotta a lot, but I don't like at all how he handled that Michael Venom Page situation. Remember oh, when yeah, he stopped yeah. the fight because Michael Venom Page was like showboating? Like yeah. I didn't like it's a fight, dude. Just let him do what he wants. I know. You know, like I whatever. Know. Regardless. <laughs> anyway, we can get into the whole showboating, not showboating. But with that question, we're gonna go into this from Daniel Pompilia on Twitter. Where does Tony Ferguson go from here? Will they cut him, or will or one more loss, then they cut him? Question mark. So, cool, Alex Savis. Where does Tony Ferguson go from here? This is three straight losses. He got his soul taken away by Justin Gaethje, and then back-to-back. I'm going to say he's, what, lost six rounds in a row against the la- in the last two fights? Uh, I don't remember how the Justin Gaethje, the scoring of the Justin Gaethje fight, because uh, that just feels like one long round to me, because it was so back and forth. But back-to-back dominant decision losses, two 30-27s probably. So, cool, Alex, where does Tony go from here? Uh, I don't see him going anywhere yet. Uh, he's still a huge draw and he's still been fighting like absolute killers. So I don't really find that there's a need to cut him. Um, I guess, you know, it probably all comes down to money like everything always does. But I, I still think he's, he's just too big of a draw. He's got such a huge fan base. I just don't see the UFC getting rid of him mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, there's no possible way they cut Tony right now. Uh, it was at the press conference 100% Tony Ferguson and anti everybody else. Uh, yeah. Michael Chandler got a lot of cheers because he's, you know, the Texas. incoming Texas, USA. He's fighting uh, uh, Brazilian. Uh, but I think Michael Chandler definitely won a lot of people over in Texas also because of his personal po- political uh, sidings, but uh, uh, carries the American flag around and talks in T-shirt slogans and all that stuff. And then they <laughs> booed Benil Dariush out of the building, which was so bizarre to me, considering this man, you know, builds orphanages in his spare time, and Tony Ferguson breaks his students' ribs because, quote, he made him do it. That's the man you're cheering. I like Tony Ferguson just fine. I just think he's kind of an intense dude on fight week. I don't think he's a, a, a mean-spirited person, but it was 100% Tony Ferguson, and when I was sat outside there for the co-main event, I couldn't hear the person right next to me when Tony Ferguson was being introed. That place was El Kukui country, but A.K. Lee, where does Tony Ferguson go from here? I, I just want to touch on the Darius thing. I'm surprised. I, I know they are they just probably maybe they're just not familiar with him, but he's also like a super Christian guy. Yeah. yeah. Don't they love? Don't you? Don't y'all in Texas love the, <laughs> Jesus? He's a Syrian. I'm a, I'm he's so a Syrian away, like, fighter born in he's Iran. A, so. a, a Syrian, yeah. A, a Syrian. Oh. A Syrian. Yeah, Interesting. Syrian. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I get it. He's a foreigner, but I mean, you would think they—he's been in the UFC for so long. Yes. You would think they know by now. He's like—he's essentially an I American think, guy I think who loves Jesus. I think it's a hundred percent just they love Tony Ferguson. I think. Yes. That's, yeah, I, yeah. That's yeah. literally just it. And and also the wrestle. Oh, he wrestled his way to a win. So the fans. Oh no, it's too much wrestling. Oh, it's, 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 we're, we're whatever. Punch him more. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um. So so I've been kind of sick with this. I kind of. I kind of want to see Tony try welterweight, not because he can be a contender there. I do not think if he has issues with wrestlers at 155, wrestlers at 170 are going to destroy him. But I'd rather he clo- like I just want him to close out his career with some fun fights with guys like Robbie Lawler, 
Carlos Condit. I think I think uh, when uh, Mike Mike Heck and I were doing our matchmaking show, I think I settled on Matt Brown. I think I want to see Matt Brown and Tony Ferguson fight. No. Um, are they but are they buddies or something? Or you just don't want no, to see that? Matt fight? Brown's linked up already. Uh, oh, against oh, but they can still happen. I think I think someone, Tony's off for a while. Someone said there's one fight to make: Cowboy Ferguson two, and then they can retire. I see those in. I, I see that, yeah, because people say uh, uh, obviously Cerrone wants to stay at uh, say one fifty five. Yeah. Uh, I also for for some have the, for the longest time, and this is definitely just sort of the well, both guys are on losing streaks. Let's just throw them in there. Uh, uh, Ferguson Woodley, but again, if Woodley's, Woodley's going to wrestle his way, Woodley's not in the UFC anymore. He can come back. He's sure. not like he's not like it's not like ruled out. His contract is up, but he's not sure. like out. They could bring. I him think back. he's out. I don't think they're going to bring him back. You think he's coming back? No, I think he's going to uh, someone but, next. Yeah, but either way, I, I would I would like to see Ferguson just screw weight cutting and take some fun fights at 170. Uh, there's a lot of great parts for him still at 155 too. But for me, I've just it's mm-hmm. weird. I just really uh, you know I'm like oh I'll change weight classes will fix all kind of problems. But yeah, he he's not going to become a, <laughs> he's not going to become a contender again. But and I also agree with Alex Abbott, he's also not getting cut though. This can you see this one? Can you guys see this comment? Yeah. Yep. Rose Sharma, Sharma says people like Michael Chandler because he's pretty motivational. Do you guys find Michael Chandler motivational? Let me say something about this because I have I have mentioned Uh-oh. this a few times. Michael Chandler's go. Instagram is what we call toxic positivity. And if you don't know what this is, please Google it because it is just as bad as being negative. It's the whole, I don't take vacations. I don't ever stop. If you're stopping, you're not 100% focused on your goals. And that is just the worst. I mean, we have, ugh, I just, I hate that kind of mentality. People. One, don't tell anybody, if that's what you want to do, and you want to take a vacation, hey, go ahead, that's all you. But like, to put that out as like, you cannot achieve your dreams if you are taking breaks is absolutely insane. You're going to cause people to work themselves to the ground. Toxic positivity. It's not motivational to me. That's, um, um, that's not fair. I don't that's have an alpha, I don't have the air horn noises, or else I <laughs> That's not very alpha of you, Alex Savas. That's not very what? alpha of you. <laughs> You heard me. There you go. Found it. Okay. Found it. That, all right. That kid. R.I.P. Headphones. That came in super hot. I don't have KC settings. I'm that was, sorry. That was, that was super hot fire, as they say in the club. Uh, Alex, yeah, that's not very alpha of you. Uh, clearly, you're not beasting 25-8 like the rest of us. Ah, sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> toxic positive. How dare? How dare you say that to the prince of positivity? <clears throat> <laughs> I don't. It, I never under. A, I agree. I do agree with you, Alex. I have never heard the phrase toxic positivity before. But there is an alarming oh, yeah. number of fighters who are like, like I always joke, like, are you a real UFC fighter if you haven't posted a photo of like a lion, and being like, you know, <laughs> no days like out for <laughs> out for blood. Can't wait to return. It's like, come on, dude. The king doesn't rest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but you, you know what. Uh, Jose, you may not have heard the term, but you're very familiar with it because yeah. uh, toxic positivity is very common with sports teams, with organizations like uh, well, I mean, uh, someone brought it up recently with AEW, but I would say the UFC, really any any fan base which is just too like oh such and such like this company can do no wrong, yeah, uh, every this is everything they do is great, da da. That's another kind of example of toxic positivity. Uh, excuse me, toxic positivity. So so it is out there, and we're not telling people to be like cynical or something, but it's like you just you know be balanced. Have you know you can you you can criticize something and still love it. Like we're super critical of the UFC uh, all the time. Everyone knows people always call us on the media and they're like, oh, does the media hate the UFC? Well, da, see, like, here's the thing too that kind of bothers me. Like I will. It doesn't bother me. Like, I've just noticed it. I think a lot of people just want to criticize the UFC just because it's the UFC and they don't like 
certain things, but they do a lot of, like, mm. to their credit, they make a lot of fights that we all want to see, but all at the same time, they do a lot of things that yeah. everyone hates. I think if you're going to... Yeah. I don't like people that only point out the negativity, and I don't like people that only point out the positivity. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Just co- yeah. cover both equally. Like, I can tell you exactly... If we get UFC questions, I can tell you exactly who's going to just talk about all the terrible things. And I know exactly if, if someone brings up the UFC, they're only going to talk about positive things. you got to cover both sides. Um, end of argument. Someone, ooh, here we go. Perfect comment. Lion picture. The grind never the stops. The grind never from stops. From Jeremiah. Yep. Yep. He's got a wolf. He's also got a, he's dubbed enough. He's also got a Wolverine. Uh, ooh, icon. <laughs> point, point. point. That's Alpha. Jer- Jeremiah, that's Alpha. Thank you. Now, this man is beast in 25-8. This man is beast in 25-8. 366 uh, 100 years of century. I thought years Corey, century. Corey, and Corey Anderson's new nickname is Overtime, isn't it? We're not. Yeah. But I think he's, he's his nickname is Overtime, but I think he's still living that 25-8 love st- uh, lifestyle. I think he's doubling up on the branding. Right, 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 right. Anyway. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Next question from Tristan Gordet on the site. Edson Barbosa's chance at being featherweight champion. Two, MMA fighting. What percentage of a chance do you, get, do you give Edson Barbosa on becoming the featherweight champion down the road? Do you think he'll have the same problem he did at lightweight due to the depth of contenders in the division, or do you think the featherweight division isn't as stacked? So yes, if you weren't if you weren't aware, again, if you live under a rock, Edson Barbosa won. Was it fight of the night, right? Yep. So it was fight of the night. It was uh, I, everyone's everyone's pick for fight of the night when it came out. If you're Jen Mishu, you probably said it was a deep cut dark horse. You know, no one's ever heard of Edson Barbosa, Shane Burgos, um, but Edson Barbosa knocked out Shane Burgos in a very bizarre and very violent fashion. It was a delayed reaction. Like he punched him. He had this combo. And then, like, five seconds later, Shane Burgos fell down. Uh, we could talk about the knockout in a little bit, but A.K. Lee, what percentage of chance do you give Edson Barbosa at becoming champion at 145 pounds? And keep in mind, according to him, he is 3-0 and at featherweight. Of course, he's referring to that very controversial decision loss to Danny Gay. Uh, percentage is such a weird thing to calculate here. Uh, I, I mean, for me, it's low. Because if, if it's a binary question, I just say no. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, anything can happen in MMA, though. So if we're going percentage, uh, 25%. I, I, I do think, as the question sort of asks, um, is featherweight as deep as lightweight? I'm like, yeah, just about. Featherweight, uh, featherweight, bantamweight, 155 are so insanely deep. 
And I'm just looking at the kind of the rankings here, and there's a lot of guys who, like, on any given day, you can just get got. Like, you can't make a mistake. And I mean, you're a worse fighter than this person, but to be able to string together however many wins he'll need, like maybe two, at least two more wins, he's got a, like a Yair Rodriguez, Calvin Cater, uh, Josh Emmett, whenever he comes back from injury. And any of those guys, again, could, like, it's, you know, 10 times, 10 fights, maybe it goes five and five, but. If it's not your day, all it takes a loss to knock you back. So, and the same thing happened to him at lightweight. He just there's just a lot of great lightweights, and I think he's like one of the UFC's best lightweights ever. But was he ever that close to a title shot? Maybe more, no more than one fight away. But yeah, I think it'll be the same 145. I I don't think he wins it. I'd be surprised if we got a title shot as well. Cool, Alex. What did you make of Barbosa's performance, and what percentage of chance do you give him to be featherweight champ? I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to say 45% because I think he's great at interviews. I know his English is a little broken, but like he's such a personable guy. And for me, I think that like those sort of factors almost weigh heavier than somebody's skill set often. Um, but, and I agree with like AK, like any one of those people that's ranked above him at, at a featherweight, I mean, they could all have an off night. He could fall backwards right into a title shot. Like you just don't know. Um, and he, he definitely has like the skill set to get it done if, you know, if the circumstances were right. So it wouldn't be, you know, crazy or out of the realm of possibility or anything. But uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy listening to his interviews. I think he's a, he's a fun guy. And if people really get to know him, I think he, he stands a pretty good chance. You should follow his social medias too, because I don't know if he does the whole motivational thing, but he's always posting videos of his son on Fight Week. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that video clip of uh, when he was weighing in at the ceremonial weigh-ins, his son, he posted a video of his son watching the broadcast down back in Aww. Florida, I think. And his son ran up to the TV and gave it a hug and was like, Dad! So, very, and his son is a very big baseball fan, apparently, if people weren't yeah. uh, For a long time, Edson Barbosa was very upset that his son was not a Muay Thai fan. He was a jiu-jitsu fan. Uh, so I followed up and asked if he was still sticking with jiu-jitsu, and now he's a baseball fan. Edson's like, I don't even know the rules, but my son likes it, so good enough for me. So, great dad, great fighter. I also agree with Cool Alex. So I give him a little higher chance uh, at Featherweight, mostly because uh, Lightweight was so convoluted at the top because people were like you know connor wasn't fighting there was a lot of beef between fighters so they were always going to go for those big money fights at 155 featherweight once we get past tough there's a whole line of contenders i know max is kind of the linchpin there's also not as many wrestlers in that top 15 at featherweight and edson barbosa like loses to kevin lee loses to habib there's my obviously chandler and gates are up there we just saw what darius did to tony ferguson i think there's more strikers in that top 10 at featherweight for him to have exciting fights than there is at lightweight so like dude i'll watch calvin cater versus barbosa holloway barbosa i've been asking for gage chikadze versus edson barbosa ever since gage chikadze made his ufc debut so sign me up for any of those uh the yair fight is awesome as well but again i'm just naming strikers like the josh emmett fight josh is out for a while but uh in a striking heavy division i am throw a name throw a dart at anyone in the top 15 at featherweight and i'll watch edson barbosa fight them and i will favor yeah. that to be fight of the night and he just i saw some of the comments asking how many uh fights he has left in his con uh, contract our own Guillermo cruz uh reported last week that he has a new Signed a new deal with UFC, and he is very happy with the new contract. So at least, I'm going to say at least four to eight, because that's usually how contracts are. So let's, but again, uh, sign me up for any of those names I just said in the comment section. I'm going to go quick to see the YouTube. Jose, can you name, uh, I'm sure you can, any baseball player born in Brazil? 
Any baseball players? Born in Brazil. Born not necessarily Brazilian descent. Born in any is there oh, any born man. in Brazil? I have no idea. I honestly I can't don't think of know. any. I, I the only I would I, think, yeah. I know Edson Ed's not Edson. Leon Le, Leandro Barbosa, the basketball player. Was oh, basketball! Basketball, I can name, basketball, I can name a ton of it's a ton of yeah. basketball. I can't think of Brazil, any baseball. But, uh, but baseball, baseball no. I no, I don't think. That's what I'm surprised. So where's this kid? What's this kid watching? He's, he, they, <laughs> I, his, I, his, I believe his son has spent spent most of his life in America. Oh, so okay, he's Flo okay. he's Floridian. Dumb, dumb. So like, because yeah, he's yeah, training yeah. at ATT. So Florida is obviously a hotbed for baseball. Yeah, yeah. you got the that Miami, makes sense. You got like you got the Miami Hurricanes baseball team. You got Florida State, uh, and then obviously you have the Marlins, uh, the the Rays, world's defending American League champions. Uh, you got a ton of like and spring training is down there. So if you're from Florida, you're probably playing football or baseball. Honestly. Yeah, because you're, you're uh, I, when you said Edson like doesn't even know the rules. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why would he? Like, I don't think I don't think Major League Baseball gets much play like in Brazil. I, I wouldn't imagine. Like, I yeah. doubt it. I, I would. We'll I we. would. We'll, we'll ask we. I would. I'll ask we what his favorite baseball team is. I would be. <laughs> I think it'd be safe to say there are more people in America that follow soccer than Brazilians follow baseball. Yeah. Oh, 100%. it has to be. It has to be. Has anyway, to be. moving on. From Dave. Godbout, go bout. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. I think this is a new commenter because I don't recognize his name. Thirty twenty-seven for Grundy. Remember the dark ages and how we used to weigh wrestling on an MMA scorecard? How we finally passed the days where good performance on the feet can be negated by a single takedown per round? Very interesting question. So we're getting also used to this opportunity to talk about that very bizarre thirty twenty-seven. Mike Grundy, uh, AK Lee is already groaning and moaning and rolling his eyes about this. So AK. What did you make of the scorecard? And to answer this All right. question specifically, are we past the quote-unquote uh, dark ages of MMA? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Multiple things to answer. First of all, uh, shout out to Jeremiah in the comments who just who mentioned Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes uh, oh, Jose, wow. was, was, was born in Sao Paulo. I think he grew up in the U.S., but he was born. He was born in Sao Paulo. So shout outs. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's uh, I had not thought about that. Um, uh, what was I talking about? I'm sorry. Yes. So yeah, the 327 scorecard was an atrocity. Uh, but I, I will say, I will say that was a, one. That was a great fight. That was a great fight, which Lando not clearly won. Um, but uh, but uh, Grundy Grundy was, I think, landing more than the commentators maybe gave him credit for. He was he was he uh, Venata was actually taking a lot of punches. At the same time, I think Venata is also one of those guys who can sort of slyly slip shots, uh, kind of like Anderson Silva used to, like in his prime. Like it would look like he's getting hit, but you know he's slipping it just enough that it's not like doing serious damage. I mean, if it was, he probably would have gotten knocked out. So, um, yeah, the thirty twenty seven is bizarre. I, I don't know if we're quite out of the out of the way of uh, takedown stealing rounds, if only because. The commentary is so shaky with this sort of thing. It, it depends who you have on. Some of them, some of them are doing a better job than others. Uh, it also, uh, I guess, and when the judges can be so inconsistent, it kind of goes both ways. I almost don't blame the commentators sometimes for uh, misinterpreting the scoring criteria because they're kind of just calling what they see. So if they keep seeing bad scorecards being put out, they, that's kind of you know what they learn. So it's weird. they have they have the cops. So to be fair to the commentators, they have both responsibility to educate. And also to say, well, look, this might be where the judges are going with this. It's not, you know, it's not our fault. We, we don't do the scoring criteria, and we don't do, you know, we don't do the judging. But and so, you know, when one of these weird scores come up, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, they told us, they they warned us this might be coming. Um, so yeah, I think we're getting better. I think we're getting a lot better. We had we had scorecards, but we didn't have any outright robberies uh, on on Saturday. So. So that's a good sign. As long as, thankfully, all the right people won. I thought uh, there was one really close call with uh, what was the one that really could have gone either way. 
Um, what am I looking at here? Chukeko, Chukeki and Arujo, mm-hmm. fine. I, I think you can make a case for Arujo, but I wouldn't call it a robbery either way. That's just a really close fight. So yeah, overall, I, th- I thought it did get better. So guys, if there's hope for Texas, there's hope for all of us. And I will say, uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, it's kind of weird. The judge who gave that 30-27 for Grundy, Patrick Patlin, he was also the only guy who got the, the last time there in Houston, 247, the only mm-hmm. guy who got the Giles Kraus fight right. So, you know, I can throw this guy into the bus, but also let's give him a little bit of credit uh, for, for scoring a fight properly last time they were in Houston, if you want to look at it that way. So, um, but yeah, overall, I'm optimistic, uh, Dave. God, I'm optimistic that, that we're getting better with the judging overall. Uh, was Patlin one of the judges in the Andrew Lee Murphy fight? Oh, a good question. I'll check right now. I will look that up while you, while you guys. Because I'm reading right now, before UFC 247, Patlin hadn't scored a fight since 2017. Yes, he so was, was one like of the... four years or three years <laughs> between scoring. Correct. And he had judged four fights ever. And that's in tech. So basically this judge has, had, has scored basically five total fights in his life, and he's judging a, a bout between very highly ranked UFC fellows. Yes. He he had it for Murphy to him and him and Judge Danny yeah. D'Alejandro did, and you know who didn't is a notorious judge. This guy just, I, who I think scored it right. He scored it for uh, twenty nine twenty eight. Lee Chris Lee, my cousin. So the, my cousin, our cousin. So maybe there's some bias there. Uh, Chris Lee and I and Andrew. Lee. So you know what? Maybe look. You know, you guys can investigate that on your own. But uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like look, we we throw a lot of judges under the bus a lot. Uh, but I've become a little more sympathetic because sometimes they get it right and we only call them out when they get it wrong. So Except for that but one I, judge. Who's that judge? I think Mark Raimondi wrote a, a long thing about it when he was at MMA fighting. That one judge who's like, that's the, his gimmick where he's just an idiot. What? Yeah. Like there's, I a, I I, there's like a judge that's like known for being controversial. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember his name. Is he still working? Because I don't awful. remember, but I think Mark is telling me like every now and then he'll get an email about him. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. I'll look it up. TBD, uh, if I remember correctly. Anyway, uh, cool, Alex. What are your thoughts on judging in MMA? Because you were in Houston at UFC 247 for all that chaos. Yeah, but I mean, we don't need to get into what each of us does on fight night. But my eyes are glued to my computer yeah, screen yeah. i rarely see what's going on so i didn't even watch this fight to be honest with you so i'm not, i won't weigh in on this one yeah yeah you fight nights are different for people who always ask like oh what did you think of this fight in this moment like i was looking at my computer screen my god <laughs> i miss a i completely oh. miss the barbosa burgos yeah. card because i was looking at my computer or the knockout yeah. i, I shouldn't even I shouldn't even acknowledge the comment. There was a comment on a post-fight show on there that was like, "You guys seem so like like out of it and like low energy." And I'm like, I, I almost <laughs> want to reply. I'm like, "Mother effort!" It's it, we recorded that at three, three forty-five in the morning Eastern mm-hmm. time or something like. And and it's not like look, it's not like we're just watching the show all night. And we're like jazzed up. Like, yeah, I've been watching the show all night, I'm ready to talk about it. No, we've been working for like nine <laughs> yeah. hours. Yeah. And then we do the and look no excuse look no excuses play like a champion absolutely we you should know, get I, 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 rising grind I'll do better I'll do better I'll do better next time but dude like this, this guy was like, I can't believe they have no energy I'm like are you it's, are you serious <laughs> you know it's uh AK it's a hard life watching sports for a living I understand <laughs> I oh, I, oh I know oh I know <laughs> like. Someone saw, like, I was like, someone asked me, like, oh, you don't really tweet much on Sundays after fights. I'm like, dude, I haven't slept in 36 hours. I'm like, when I was in Jacksonville, I worked all the way up until my plane. 
like until I had to be at the airport. So I basically was awake for almost 48 hours working. And I fell asleep at my gate, and the stewardess had to come be like, sir, your plane is boarding. Like, you're going to miss your flight. Like, she had to wake me up in Jacksonville. I was like, huh? What? I was, like, drooling, because, like, that's how much that week took out of me. So, anyway, bye weeks are different if you're working at an event. Anyway, moving on. Are you, our union reps are watching this, like... <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's go through... I'm going through the YouTube comments. you see anything in the YouTube comments? Oh, no, I was just looking at, uh, I was looking for Brazilian baseball players, so I wasn't. Uh, Dean, uh, Dean, D, Dean D says he thinks uh, Mark was writing about Chris Lee. He's not sure. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Bo Bichette is a, a Brazilian-American. I should say Bo, Bo Bichette is Dante Bichette's son. He is one of the uh, brightest. Toronto Bluches. Yeah, he's one of the brightest yeah. young, uh, I was about to say fighters. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, the brightest young athletes in baseball right now. Uh, it was like darn him, right he is. It was like darn him, right Fernando is. Tatis Jr., Craig Biggio's son getting called up. Like all these guys. Craig yeah, Biggio's cool. son. He's also on the Blue Jays. He's kind of he's not doing too great right now. Uh, Boba Shet just can't stay healthy. Uh, but not. But you could say that about anyone on the Blue Jays. Um, ah, let's just go back to the comments. All right. Invicta FC returns this Friday with Invicta. Oh, Scott McCrite, longtime commenter on the site. With Invicta FC returning hey, this Scott. Friday on Access TV, can you give a quick breakdown on both championship bouts and highlight some of the other talented fighters on this card? So, AK Lee, what are your thoughts on Invicta's return on Friday? All right, now hold on. I think didn't this tie into another Invicta question? Am I crazy? Was it not, or or maybe we got it on Twitter? Uh, I swear I saw someone also asking. Is the Invicta card? Maybe it was in the YouTube comments too. Is this Invicta card this Friday being overlooked? And I'm going to tell you something. Until I saw this question and the question in the YouTube comments, I completely forgot that that card was this Friday. Now, one, I'm an idiot. We know that. That's established. That's assumed. Sure. Uh, two, maybe I'm two. Maybe I'm a bad MMA fan. But this is this Friday has what? Also Bellator, yep. uh, which you know only happens to and a main event that happens to involve you know, maybe the greatest women's fighter of all time, one of the three greatest women's fighters of all time. So it's a really, it's a really unfortunate like day for uh, Invicta to be having a card. I feel like uh, I'm just looking at it now. Uh, so we've got our main event, Karina Rodriguez and Diana Torquato. Is that right? Is for, oh, and for Correct. vacant, uh, vacant flyweight title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at these good fights. Alicia Zapatella is, 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 mm-hmm. is such a star. Um, but yeah, but if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I, I actually did forget that this was this Friday. I knew it was coming up, did not remember it was this Friday. So, uh, so Scott, uh, bad, bad on me, man. No, I really can't, I really can't do a good job breaking down both championship bouts. That's, that's just the honest truth. And uh, so I'm really, really making more commentary on just how stacked this week is. And, oh, LFA, I'm sorry, I'm just going through topology. Yeah, Bellator, and then of course Vegas on Saturday. So, I mean, look, there's only so much these promotions can do. You can only move your cards around so much. There's so many MMA promotions now. At some point you're gonna overlap with someone. It's just unfortunate that it happens to also overlap with a major Bellator event with a with a women's title fight. Um, so well, this yeah. is also my, my Invict- this is Invicta's first fight on Axis TV as well. So they're not oh, yes, they don't correct. have quote the promotional juggernaut of the UFC behind them because remember they were on Fight Pass for so long and then they broke off. So this is their first. Uh, I don't do. Do any of you guys have Axis TV? Like, see, I've so I don't know if you'll, you'll be able to. Nope. Access TV is Mark Cuban's network. That's where Inside, was it Inside MMA? Was that where it used to be? Uh, AK? Uh, what, well, I don't know. I, 
I didn't have it. In, I don't have that. In, oh no, there. we did have it in Canada. I think I can't remember the name of the show, but that was like for a long time. The before yep. ESPN and Fox had their big shows with MMA, that was like the place to be. Uh, mm -hmm. They also had the broadcast rights for New Japan for a while. They did. Oh, eight, yeah, like HD fights. They showed a lot of HD kickboxing. Net. Yeah, they HD yeah, HD yeah, Net. Yeah, they showed yeah, a lot yeah. of kickboxing. It was so good. It was such a good. It was so. Yeah, good. it is a good show. And the headquarters is right. It's it's right across you from the Staples Center. Above, I can't remember what it's above, but like if you see the S, like have you, any of you watched the ESPYS before? Mm -hmm. So you know the right yeah. when they walk the red carpet outside the Staples Center, right above that that building there in front of at this like the second floor, that's Access TV. Uh, it's a cool little studio. Uh, our good friend Rick Lee has worked there. Uh, there's a, yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our friends in the MMA media have probably got their start there, especially cameramen, because they for a long time that was the only place you could go if you wanted to like shoot and edit content uh in mma but uh yeah this is a good card it's just unfortunate timing as uh ak said from matt bradbury on the site mma grand prix if you had to make an eight man or women mma grand prix regardless of promotion what division would you pick and what fighters would you choose in each bracket interesting question so we're gonna play it like this i'll start with ak Cool Alex and I cannot pick the same weight class as him. Oh, you guys can have the first, you guys can have the first pick then. Really? <laughs> Unless you want me to go first. I I'm ready to go first. I don't know, but Alex Thomas, if you okay, want to fire you, off first. Cool I'll Alex, you need time to think of a... I need time, go ahead. All right. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Shoot. Yeah, well, I mean, look, this is, well, one, I cheated. I looked at this question before on the site, <laughs> obviously. So. And, uh, oh. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Is what I always tell people. Uh, also, shout out to Matt Bradbury. Uh, on to the next one, regular. Who always has like I, I know why he's asked this question. He he always has the the deepest like matchmaking cuts. This guy's this guy's on top of all the names in MMA for sure. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go with bantamweight. I think everyone knows I friggin love bantamweights. The only problem with picking that is to to eight person like taking eight people for so so many people will get cut. So I mean, you got to get the champions. Okay, so Sergio Pettis is in there. Koji Horiguchi's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, the one true champ, the one true bantamweight champion. I mean, Sterling's in there, obviously. Uh, Piotr Jan, and then from like I got to get Patchy Mix in there. So that's but that's five spots already. And then like think about the think about the, the UFC bantamweight division. Now let, let me look who I'm cutting uh, from the UFC bantamweight division here. Jeez, like Scott Corey Sandhagen's got to be in there. And then you kind of want to have some fun names in there too. Like I would love to throw like a Dominic Cruz or Aldo in there, kind of like for a veteran spot. But and I'm leaving out like like Marab. I'm leaving out. I think oh, it's, if, just, it's, it's gonna, just too hard. But if you're gonna do bantamweight, I think if you've held a, a good way to answer these questions, like obviously choose all the champions, and after that, if you've held a belt, so Aldo Cruz. Garbrandt, yeah. if you have been oh. a former champ, that is your ticket in. That golden ticket gets oh. you in the tournament. Also, but like so many cool what, what weight class? In, like Demetrius Johnson fights at one thirty-five in one yes. championship. Yeah, like it's tough. Eight man is tough for bantamweight. Uh, but that that thank you for taking uh, Casey Lydon's answer because he of course would have gone bantamweight. Yeah. Uh, cool, Alex. Which weight class are you picking? Uh jeez. I'm confused because I want to pick women's featherweight. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if I Because I can... want to see yeah, yeah. Cyborg and Amanda run it yeah, back, and then yeah. I also want to throw Kayla Harrison in the mix and just, like, light this shit on fire. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, 
but I don't know like what the proper uh, weight class would be for that and where you're going to, you know, grab the rest of the people for the bracket. So I feel like if, you know, you give people some time and they want to, you know, jump into this, people, people can like hop up a weight class or something. But I don't know. I think that would be interesting, especially if we're talking cross promotional. Alex, what about open weight? What about open weight? What, what, yeah, there you 115 go, to 145. Give me, give, throw, throw me some, throw some names that have to be in there. No, dog, you can all, open weight because is all the way up to like 265 pounds. Because then you, could <laughs> sure. throw Gab, you could throw Gabby Garcia in there, right. and then you could get you could do Mackenzie Dern, Gabby Garcia too, in MMA yes. because of course what? Mackenzie Dern tapped yeah. Gabby Garcia in one in the grappling thing, and that kind of no. Like, oh, yeah. Mackenzie Dern? She never tapped her. She never tapped. She won. Her. She beat her in a grappling she won, tournament. She won on points. She won, on, she, on she won on points. She has not. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has all not right. tapped her. And I believe there was a point deduction in there somewhere. And I'm not all taking right. away from Mackenzie Dern's win, but cool. it's not there, like she dominated. Then, then yeah. there's, your, there's your storyline. Sure. I love it. Sure. I love so, it. Sure. So uh, in women's featherweight, though, according to RankingMMA.com, the top eight women's featherweights are Amanda Nunes. Wait, this, does, this can't be right because Cyborg is in this <laughs> ranking. And there's only four people. This is not incomplete. So Amanda Nunes, Lee <laughs> Spencer, Zara Dos Santos, Leah Letson, Danielle Wolf. Oh, it's UFC. It's UFC. That's just UFC. That's very bizarre. Anyway, but obviously you got to throw Cyborg in there. Kayla Harrison can be thrown in there. Megan Anderson. Uh, yeah, any of those fighters. I would pick, I think the obvious answer is lightweight, so I'm not going to say that because everyone wants to see a lightweight Grand Prix because we've been talking about a possible lightweight Grand Prix. Ooh, I would choose probably welterweight for sure. And I would just be, I wouldn't even pick the top eight. I would just make fun fights. Um, like I would choose, let me get, let me think. Obviously I would choose Usman because he's the champ. I would choose Lima. Who's the one, is there a one welterweight champion? Eddie Alvarez, Christian I guess. Lee. Christian, no, because Christian Lee is kind of a, is, is should be a, would be a lightweight. I think he's just fighting at one seventy. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, like actual you know one seventy, like guys who be yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if he, they were in the UFC or Bellator or anywhere else, they would be welterweight. Um, I would choose Masvidal. Um, I would choose Michael Venom Page because I want to see him fight. Um, I would basically just choose the most violent possible fighters, like Vicente Luque. <laughs> uh, Hamza Shamayev, Robbie Lawler, like Robbie Lawler versus Michael Venom Page, come on, give me that fight all day. But I would just choose the like the most violent fighters at 170, and I just put him in a tournament because uh, Nick Steve, Diaz, Nick Diaz, throw him in there. Ooh, Nick Diaz. Versus, <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Yeah, Nick Diaz can throw in it, and the opening fight is Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz too, because I've been oh, asking yes. for that. Because we're we're gonna give that the Rumble Romero treat. Treatment where we're not gonna risk it, we're just gonna book it right away. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. But anyway, you guys can tell us in the comment section what you guys want. Let's see. No, I don't want. I don't think any of us want to talk about Joshua Fabia, so we're not gonna talk about Joshua <laughs> Fabia again. Toxic Let's see. AK, what fights on the Bellator card besides the main event are you most looking forward to? Well, answer that while I look for questions. Okay, let me let me refresh my my memory here. Well, I'm I'm super excited now about after uh, hearing uh, Danny Sabatello's interview with Mike. Uh, I get it. Like everyone who's debuting with a new promotion is going to say all the right things, like "Oh, I'm going to dominate the division" and all that stuff. But he's got a nice record. He he looked good on Contender Series. Uh, 
and, and by the way, the other half of this fight is Brett Johns, whose debut I was excited about anyway. So yeah, that's kind of a cool matchup that they fell into. I actually think it's a more compelling matchup than the original with uh, Mateus Matos. Matos is like fine. He's a veteran. Uh, he was on Ultimate Fighter Brazil. I like him. But I thought like that was being set up for Johns to just crush him. That might be the case here too. But at least there's an element of like, wow, this guy's so on such late notice. It's a wild card. It's Bellator. Anything can happen. Never bet on Bellator fights. Uh, so uh, look, I'm obviously still expecting Brett Johns, Johns to win, but I've said that about many Bellator fights and been very, very, very wrong in the past. So uh, yeah, I think that's a very cool fight to look out for. I don't know. I assume it's still. We're going to use this question, and I don't like how it's phrased, but we're going to use this question to talk about Bellator. Uh, from Border 13, do you think Valerie Loretta is going to twerk after her fight? Do you guys mind people celebrating while their opponent is KO'd? Uh, cool, Alex. Would you like to address this question? Um. If Mallory Laredo wants to twerk after her fight, Mallory Laredo's going to twerk after her fight. There you go. <clears throat> I don't mind people celebrating. I think there's a difference between, like, you know, hovering over someone's knocked out body and, like, yeah, yeah. mocking them versus just, like, being excited for yourself that you've done such a phenomenal job. Um, yeah, I don't know why you specifically called out Valerie Laredo. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure what you meant by that, Border 13. If you'd like to specify in the comments, that'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Hey, Kaylee, you're on record saying Valerie Laredo's last celebration was the best dancing we've ever seen. <laughs> in oh, good. It, it beat out the uh, the time. I don't know if you guys remember where Serginho, Sergio Moraes, uh, did this. I think it was like, I think we had to explain to me. It was like a trending uh, dance in Brazil where like you turn upside down onto your, like your shoulder, you turn upside down to your shoulders and you wiggle your ass in the air. That was the number, that was number one. I can't find a clip of it anymore. I'm sure it's out there. I just haven't looked in a while. That was like by far number one. Uh, but now uh, Valerie Laredo replaced it because the timing was perfect. She just scored a highlight reel knockout. She is very, people can criticize whatever, it, whatever. I, I, you don't like her public image. That's fine. I think it's stupid to criticize that, but uh, everyone can say what they want. But like, she's very aware of who she is, what she wants her brand to be, uh, how she presents herself. And you can't say that about a lot of fighters. A lot of fighters will do stuff and like it <laughs> come off as very awkward. I thought mm -hmm. her dance was awesome. I thought it was, and she nailed it, by the way. I'm not like a dance expert. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I think I am, but I'm not accredited or anything. Uh, and I, I just thought like, she, yeah, I thought she hit all the moves. I thought it looked so good. Uh, so yeah, no, look, I, I agree. I think Alex, I was right. We're gonna see a twerk and like, as long as you're not, yeah, as long as you're not out and out taunting, man, go for it. Get down with your bad self. Flip off the cage. Do what you gotta do. AK Lee with the heel turn on his, on the late great Canadian icon, Ryan Jimmo, for his epic robot. I didn't say anything bad about that. I mean, it wasn't as good as Valerie. I think Loretta, I'm but, on. Right? I think Ryan Jimmo's was the best because that is one of any time. Like I think that's one of the best robots I've ever seen in general. He also won in it's good. Like, seven good. seconds. So it was a record-setting performance uh, because, like we people have, like for whatever reason, I've been asked this question a lot in like the last three weeks. Like, what's the best post-fight celebration? And I joke that I treat it the same way as performance bonuses. Like the higher, like the more, like the stuff going around it, like the level of competition, is how I weigh it. If you knock out Derek Brunson in Madison Square Garden, as Israel Hassan did, and did this the to dance some uh, dance that's like taking over, was taking over at, at Nigeria. That's an awesome one. Ryan Jimmo record-setting performance. That's an awesome one. Um, I can't think of a lot of other dances. Michael Bennett Page, obviously, with the Pokeball is very disrespectful, especially because he just shattered someone's eye socket during that. But I digress. Matthew Mullen says, hey, Keely and Cool Alex should have their own show. 
I've been saying for years. Well, I've only known him for like a year, but yeah. <laughs> what would it oh, be called? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Matthew Mullen. Keep uh, I mean, I mean, Sheila wants to <laughs> wants to let me know that the judge I'm referring to is Doug Crosby, and it was Chuck oh. Mendel, not Mark Raimondi, that wrote it. Yes, I remember there was a long form uh, about that, but I just couldn't remember who wrote it. And I can't find the question anymore in the YouTube comments because we got so many. But someone asked if. Kayla Harrison versus Amanda Nunez would be a bigger deal than Amanda Nunez Valentina three. Um, I had not pondered which one would be bigger. I would love to see both. That's tough though. That's real tough. Bigger. That's real, real tough. I think it would depend on. Ak, you want to start? Which one do you think would be a bigger deal to the eyes of MMA fans? I think by the time that this fight could potentially happen. I think Harrison, I'll go as far as say, I think Harrison Nunez would be much bigger. Much, much bigger. Uh, I, I think uh, Harrison is someone who can, with the right marketing, well, I actually think PFL's done a good job with her, you know, as far as, as much reach as you can have when you're, again, when you're not the UFC, when you're not as established as, as, as the UFC. I think they've done a good job. They put her front and center as much as they can. I think she's done a lot of media. Um, she's a two-time Olympian. There are a lot of people who are familiar with her. I know, I know Juno is, I know maybe it's not a, 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 one of the marquee sports of the Olympics in the United States, but she certainly, I think, elevated it. Again, the only, the first American to win gold and the first American to do it twice. And by the way, for anyone who doesn't, I'm not saying American woman, the first American to win gold judo, the first American to win gold twice. So, uh, so, so she, she's already a history maker, uh, and really took to sort of the culture for someone who was like very half in, half out, you know, for the longest time, like, are you going to do it or not? She's like, eh, I don't know. She's really gone all in on, on the MMA culture. And I, and I yeah, and I, and I think that's she's great. And fantastic uh, interview too. Like post fight, right, off, right. like post fight, off season. Like we went to that. Uh, cool Alex and I were at that second dominance MMA media day. She held court. Mm. She would call out male. Like I asked about Invicta, and she called out all the male fighters for not watching the Invicta fights the night before. Like Good. during the press conference, uh, she had this really spirited argument with Henry Cejudo over uh, what was a bigger deal, winning a gold medal in wrestling or judo. And uh, Habib said uh, judo. Judo's king, so uh, that was all. That was a fun one too. So yeah, she's wow. She is, she's great. But cool, Alex. Which one would be a bigger deal to you personally? Um, if it happened right now, it would be Nunez Shevchenko. But I agree with AK. If it gives it, if you give it time to promote Kayla to like more of like the UFC centric fans, um, it would be Nunez Harrison. Um, I agree. I mean, she's just unapologetically Kayla Harrison, and that yeah. is just. It's so rare to find somebody who's so confident in themselves and so confident in what they believe in. Like she just completely just believes that she is going to be the greatest fighter of all time. And that is, it, it's so refreshing to hear someone. And it's not even, it doesn't come off cocky when she does no. it. It just comes off like, this is factual. This is what I believe in myself. And if you l listen to uh, Damon's interview with her, she's like, I don't like when people tell me not to say things like that. She's like, but I'm not supposed to believe in myself. Like. I mean, that's just, that is, that's the good kind of positivity. You should believe in yourself. You just don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and take cold showers to do it. There you go. You don't need, what is, doesn't The Rock have an app to like wake up at four in the morning and like work out? <laughs> it's called like The Rock Clock or something like that. You know, anyway. if I had The Rock's portable gym that he brings in like all his movies, Iron sets, Paradise? I'd probably, yeah, I'd be working out at 4 a.m. too because I'd be yeah. going in there and it'd be Also, awesome. if I was the highest paid app person on planet Earth, I would probably work out right. every single day as well. And if I was getting ready to play Black Adam, but I don't want to talk about Black Adam because I you, talk about it for you ever, hours. 
Like, Did you ever read that thing where he, he eats like eight meals a day? Like yeah. eight like full yeah, meals yeah, yeah. a day? Yeah, you yeah. have to. I mean, you have to. Like to be yeah. that to be that big, you have to. Um, and again, you're right. When you're when you're rich and you have your own personal chef, it's probably a lot easier. But yeah. shoot, man, I couldn't eat. Even if I had someone cooking for me, I couldn't eat eight meals a day. There was a sign up before I go back to Harrison Nunez talk. There was a, I can't remember which website did it, but they they tried to eat JJ Watt's diet for mm-hmm. like a week and they gave up after two days because it was all like chicken and rice and it was like it's dry. too much protein, it's way too much protein. Oof. Anyway, um, the Kayla Harrison man and Nunez one would be very interesting because they both train at ATT, so I don't know how that would work. Um, I think I I want to see both. I would give Kayla Harrison an immediate title shot if she ever jumped to the UFC. Uh, especially 145 because it's like who, yeah. who else is there uh and i don't i did not like dana white saying i don't know if she's ready because we saw and i don't want to call her out but like the gina mazani fight that we just saw she basically get like her body gave out on her a lot of people were saying like there was like her second opportunity like if you're saying kayla harrison's not ready but then gina's fighting on this high level card like it's right. i don't get it also uh, someone in, in on Twitter had when I when I, I think it was in response to either Damon's interview in the comments or whatever they said Kayla Harrison will never be in the UFC because then they would have to promote her as the first Olympic gold medalist in judo in America because Ronda only won bronze and they can't they can't say Ronda came in third you can't say Ronda came in third because they always referred to as an Olympic medalist never bronze medalist they don't want to have they don't want to give give her the rub. Um, oh, the petty wars. The petty wars. Mm-hmm. And because no one has asked about this, and he is the man of the hour, would you guys all think Charles Oliveira's win over Michael Chandler? Who wants to start? I was Who cheering through my TV. I was so excited. I, it gave me such anxiety, though, when they leave the cage and they, like, run through the audience and, like, yeah. shake Dana White down. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, please, like, just get out of there. Go back to the act again. But, no, oh, my gosh, how exciting for him. I mean it was like emotional i just you just you just felt that from him and watching him go back to brazil with the ball it's just it's i don't know for someone who's worked so hard for so long and didn't get anything handed to him at all and then came up from like a serious illness like in in his uh interview that he did i mean just what a story i mean it's just i love to see it end with a happy ending i love that yeah i was very happy for charles and his team uh Michael Chandler has always been very nice to me. I think he's a good promote interview and talk, but I get people don't like him. I've never really interacted with him outside of the octagon or cage or whatever it was. Uh, but to his credit, regardless of what you think of him as an individual, he handled his loss like a professional. Uh, he went in there and said, Charles is the champ. He won fair and square. I'll be back, this and that. So uh, he wasn't sour grapes whatsoever. I think the UFC is very happy with the Products they got in Michael Chandler because he's a guy that you can put on TV. Uh, he's well spoken. He doesn't really do anything uh, to. He he adopted a, a son. Uh, he his wife was around all time. She was very friendly with the fans as well, from what I saw. So the UFC is very clearly happy with what they got in Michael Chandler. And I think moving forward, he's going to have a job with them at least as a commentator or on the desk for a while. But AK, what did you think of Charles Oliveira's win over Michael Chandler? Uh, people, go read if you haven't. Uh, Guillermo Cruz's feature on Charles mm-hmm. Oliveira's upbra- difficult upbringing. It's great. I think it's still pinned to our front page on MMAfighting.com. So definitely read about that and how his first training partner was a girl who used to beat him up pretty much every day. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, it's a great. So he had a lot of difficulties he faced. It's a great story. Uh, Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world right now. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else right now. He's the best lightweight. I'm not. I'm not saying the UFC title is the be all end all decider but i think he's done enough 
plus winning the title. I think that matters. Uh, don't don't go out to MMAfighting.com and read Jed Mashu's uh, UFC 262 aftermath, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. about Khabib Nurmagomedov. MMAfighting.com, Jed Mashu, UFC 262 aftermath. Don't read that article because uh, I don't know. He's 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 so hung up on Khabib. Yeah, look, if Khabib is out there and decides to come back. Whatever, I'll pick him over anyone at uh, at 155. But he's not. Someone he's made a very player. interesting point where one because the people are confused about Oliveira Chandler, and I know we got Bellator Media Day coming up, so we'll end quickly. But um, they didn't want Poirier or Gaethje or anyone like that fighting in the main event because they didn't want Habib hanging over the main event. They didn't want someone that Habib had already beaten, which I I hadn't thought of that, which is 100 percent true. As soon as they said 100 percent, you true. can. Charles Oliveira hasn't fought Habib. Michael Chandler hasn't fought Habib. So you can maintain that mm-hmm. illusion. As, as absurd as it is, you can maintain that illusion of, well, we don't know if they would have fought Habib. We know he can beat for I know, And I, I know I can see people rolling their eyes in the comments like, that makes no sense. And I'm like, that's just a very basic way of presenting it. I, fair or not. Fair or not. All right. We're going to do really quick hits, and then we're going to wrap it up. Let's see what we got. Let's see. I can find it first. Oh, I just turned off everything. Why did I? Do I don't know what. Okay, I'll see if I, I don't, know. Uh, don't. What do we got here? No, I found it. I got, it, I got, it, I got. It. Okay, go for it. Quick hits. So real quick. How come? How come Tony had four oh, corners? Dana White privilege? I don't know. Tony Tony Ferguson can do what Tony Ferguson wants. I had I I didn't notice it until after the fact. I wasn't paying attention. It's just the end of Kevin Aguilar. AK. Yes or no? I'm assuming in the UFC, not as in he gets. No, no. Yeah, he released. Yeah, he's yeah he's getting released. <laughs> He will be what makes a point style fighter? Is Yan Zhaonan a point style fighter? Oh, these are questions from Azan Zaman in on the side. Cool, Alex. You want to feel this one? Are they talking about like point style karate or like somebody who fights for points only? Probably both. I don't think anyone fights to win <laughs> on points, as uh, Challenge Kagan said. She just fights, and if she sees Odom, she takes it, and if she knocks someone out, she knocks someone out. She just chooses the path that will lead to victory. Um, yeah. I don't think Yan Jonan is a point style fighter. I just think she's won close decisions and she's just been better than her opponent that night. Will she do that against Carla? I don't know because I don't know anyone that's looked outside of Joanna that has looked really good against Carla. Carla's one of those fighters that'll just make you look like you forgot how to fight. Uh, she's been a lot like unless that except that fight against Alexa Grasso in Mexico was awesome. I thought yeah. I can't remember if that one fight of the night. But that should have won fight of the night if it didn't. Because and speaking of Alexa Grasso, Counter King called out Alexa Grasso. I'm here for it. I love that fight. Uh, what's to look forward to at Bellator 259 besides Edwards versus Austin Vanford? Oh, I don't know. Chris Sidebar versus Leslie Smith two, the rematch. <laughs> what? That's a very weird fight to point out. I guess Austin Vanford has yeah, Paige Van Zandt, good fight. Rub, and sure. yeah, and Fabian Edwards is Leon Edwards' brother. Correct. Correct. P.S. You got my name correct. Awesome. I got a name correct. So, quick hits right there. Anyway, you guys know the drill. We got Bellator Media Day coming up. We will not be streaming it, but we will have all the the scrums, the selected scrums up. That'll be uh, cool. Alex will be doing that, and they'll get clips out. And then AK will be writing his articles and giving the Orange Cassidy thumbs up. So, AK, what do you got to say before you ride off into the Moncton sunset? The Alex and the Alex Tokyo Drift. Massive success. Much like... The Tokyo Drift uh, film was in the Fast and Furious franchise. This, this was this was just as good, if not better. Cool. I've never seen Fast and the Furious. And oh, I, I have to tell my ever. story. I have to tell my story. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, really, so, yeah. really quick. Is there so, time? Okay. Yeah. There's there's time. There's time. So 
I was a freshman in college, and this is one because I remember vividly when The Rock joined Twitter. He joined Twitter right before he made his return to the WWE, and this is right when Fast Five was coming out. And he had tweeted he was doing giveaways in select cities like Phoenix, Dallas, LA, New York, like all the major ones. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not winning that. Whatever. I had a flip phone by the way, so I didn't even have a smartphone yet because this was like 2009. So if I wanted to use mobile Twitter, I had to literally go on Twitter.com on my like flip phone like web server so i'm like whatever not winning so i go to the gym i come back and shower and i get out and i just happen to look at twitter and like the second i looked at twitter it just coincidentally the rock had tweeted the rock and if you if you follow the wwe the rock talks about eating pie a lot he's not actually talking about pie he's talking about something else um he's like the rock is hungry for pie pizza pie go where you think go where you think this is or something like that and I know I'm about a block away from Pizzeria Bianco, which is the number one rated pizza place in in Phoenix. So I'm like, well, it has to be there. So I just throw on some, I just throw on the gym clothes I had already been wearing. So I'm disgusting, and I sprint down the street, and there's maybe a hundred people looking for the Rock there. They're like, where's the Rock? Where's the Rock? Obviously, the Rock wasn't there, but someone walked out wearing a Fast Five shirt and was like, you guys found the location. Uh, when he tweets out the password, first person to say it wins. And there's like a hundred people here. So I'm like on my flip phone, just hitting refresh. And I hit refresh and The Rock says, first one to yell, do you smell if The Rock is cooking wins. So naturally I scream it at the top of my lungs and I win. So then this the lady comes up to me and hands me a phone and I go, hello, and it's The Rock. So I talk to The Rock for five minutes about college football, wrestling, and the Fast and the Furious. And then he goes, I also want you to know that if you're going to go see the movie tonight. Uh, she's, and then Britt's going to give you tickets. And I turn around and Britt is like handing me tickets. And he goes, these are on me. It's a movie theater completely bought out. It's only you and four friends are going to go. So, and then when we went there, uh, oh, I also got a golden ticket that said like your congratulations as being The Rock's special guest to see Fast Five. You still have it? Of course I still have it. It's like in my it's like it's like in a folder like literally like three feet away from me. I just have to go through it. So I won a Twitter contest, spoke to the rock for five minutes, uh, and then he bought me and four of my friends tickets to see uh, Fast Five in a movie theater that was bought out specifically for the rock in Arizona. And people How offer me. not your Twitter bio? How is it not your Twitter bio? I don't that's a good that's a good question. But uh, I've sent him at the rock twice since then. And I've told him both times, and he's naturally, it's the first time he's heard it both times. Um, but my goal is to bring that golden ticket to him next, because both of them were the backstage UFC fights, so I couldn't really you know, ask for photos or anything. Um, if I ever see him in the wild and I have that golden ticket, I'm gonna ask him to sign it or take a photo with it for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I won a Twitter contest in Phoenix, and I talked to the Rock for five minutes on the phone, and he bought my ticket to Fast Five. That's my closing promo. This, you, this that was podcast. Worth that was worth the wait. Yeah. This, it's, it's one of my go-to awesome. stories in my back pocket. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can find this podcast on, you know, YouTube, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the podcasts. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we'll be back in normal time. But that's been Alex. That's been Alex. This has been Alex. Alex and Alex, Tokyo Drift 3, whatever AK called it. Until then, we're out. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.